We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Hello and welcome to another episode of the DTF Podcast. It is the Doster, T.O. and Phantom Podcast. It is currently Tuesday morning, 9.28 in the a.m. Eastern Standard Time, the only legitimate time zone. Uh, Fancy and I are getting ready to head to the Jimmy V Classic tonight. We're going to do a show uh, from, I guess we're actually going to be in the Upper Deck, Phantom. They're not letting us down on the court for Madison Square Garden. They're going to be changing over that arena. They got a Knicks game on Wednesday night, I guess, so they got to get that thing flipped over. But we will be there. It will be me. It will be you. It will be Jeff Goodman. It will be John Henson. T.O. Uh, unfortunately, is not going to be able to meet us up there. But I'm excited about it. Uh, before we get into that, it was a wild weekend in college hoops, fellas. It was a wild weekend. How are we doing? How are we feeling? Everything, everything's good. It was a wild weekend, and we're learning a lot about a teams that we had an inkling. We had some doubts, but I think for the most part, like it, teams are starting to figure each other out. I, I feel like we're going to talk about North Carolina a little bit. I, they're eventually going to get it because, I mean, they have we, – we've seen them do it in the past, so you wonder when exactly it's going to come. I, I think there's some structural issues there, but – uh, everywhere else, I mean, great weekend of basketball and another good week of basketball coming up. That, that warm-up week is certainly over, and the last two, three weeks uh, have been as good as advertised. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think anybody in the past week embodies the parody that college basketball is in and the times that we're in where even though 
we are about a month into the season. There's still so much to be figured out. There's no team that embodies that more than Baylor because Baylor at the front end of last week didn't even look like a top 25 team and lost by 26 to Marquette. It was stunning to watch that play out, and it was really the way the week started. It's like, oh, just when you think you know, wait a minute, what's going on? And then the Bears come back three nights later at the Sanford Pentagon, and their defense comes back, and they defended their tails off, and they beat Gonzaga. That was a really impressive response by Scott Drew's team because we all were pretty high on them, and I thought that Keontae George played very well against Gonzaga, and, and he just keeps on keeping on like we thought he could. So for me, I, I look at Baylor, and, and I think, man, it's interesting. I look at the waves that Kentucky's had early in this season just because they entered Sunday in London against Michigan. They had to win that game. And guys, Kaysen Wallace isn't just one of the best freshmen. He's one of the best players in the country. So there are takeaways across the board. I think if there's one takeaway among all of them, it is this. You cannot overreact to any one night in this sport and make your firm judgment on a team at this stage because – it's showing, and I think some of the top teams are going to take losses. It wouldn't surprise me as we do this podcast if Texas lost to Illinois. It wouldn't surprise me if Purdue loses a couple in a row in the Big Ten. That's life in college basketball. It's a good thing, guys. How many teams could win the national championship? I would say double digits as I talk to you today. That's that. That's a high number. Um, Parodies. I do want to. I, I do want to push back on one thing though. You said that we can't overreact to things that happen to every uh, I'm overreacting oh, over every damn thing that I see baby that is what I do it's why we have the uh well it's I guess the Tuesday overreactions podcast this week um we couldn't do it yesterday um but yeah look there's a lot to get into and a lot of ground that I want to cover so we're just going to d- jump straight into it I want to know to you let's start with this North Carolina Gonzaga were two of the top three to five teams in the country depending on where you looked heading into the season Creighton, most people had them somewhere in and around like the top 10 to top 15. Gonzaga has lost three games this season, uh, struggled with Kent State last night, two of their last three coming into last night. North Carolina has now lost four in a row. Creighton has now lost three in a row. How how concerned are you about these groups? Are any of them – is this just a blip? Is this just trying to figure things out? Is this just uh, something that happens in November and December? Like, Or have you – uh, significantly readjusted your opinion on any of those three. Uh, Carolina is the one that we, we kind of saw this coming, right? Like we, we knew that they caught lightning in a bottle last year in the NCAA tournament, and they have guys that can score. But the problem is, is they're not passing the ball to anybody. They think they can do it all themselves. And the weird part about this whole situation is kind of the exact same thing as last year. Did, are, we're seeing the real Carolina now. Like, I'm not – I. They like I said, caught lightning in a bottle. Brady Manick was really good, if nothing else, because he was a ball mover. You know, he didn't just make shots. As soon as mm-hmm. he caught it, he either got rid of it or made something happen without the basketball. There's nobody on that team that does that right now. Pete Nance is so frustrated right now. He's trying to take it one on one. Like that's where this Carolina <laughs> team is. Are they going to figure it out? I, I would guess they do, but I, I mean, that's three in a row, right? Like I, I just functionally like that team just doesn't make. A whole lot of sense but for that matter guys they didn't last year that's the thing that kind of scares me the most like are they going to limp into the ncaa tournament as a six seven eight seed and that's what it kind of looks like if they're able to get it together enough in the conference 
So that's a team that scares me. Carolina, they are who they are. They have some guys that can turn a game on its head individually. It's just there was a there was a point 24 and a half minutes into the game against Virginia Tech in Blacksburg. They had two assists. Yep. Guys, they might as well have been two passes. Like they just don't pass the ball to each other. They don't trust each other. And then on on a team where Hubert Davis needs to 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 gather his and gain some depth, like the guys on the floor don't trust that depth. So, like, you have a two-edged sword right there. There's a lot going on. Gonzaga, not necessarily worried about just because. Let's they... stay. Let's stay on North Carolina okay. real quick because Fanta, I want to. I want to toss this to you for for a second. All right. So here's what North Carolina has done in those last four losses. They lost by five to an Iowa State team that ranks top 40 on Ken Palm and that I think is probably going to end up being an NCAA tournament team. Might be a 10 seed, might be an 11 seed, but I think they're going to dance. Uh, they lost by two on a neutral court in four overtimes to an Alabama team that's top 15 on Ken Palm right now. They lost at Indiana by 12. Indiana's top 10. I, I don't think there's any shame in losing on the road to a program like Indiana in a building as loud and as crazy as Assembly Hall is right now for a game that's that big. And they lost by eight on the road at Virginia Tech. They cut a 16-point deficit to three in the second half, and they did not have Armando Baycott in that game. So, I think it's fair to say the sky isn't completely falling. Like it's not like they're losing to Gardner Webb. It's not like they got upset by James Madison. These are good teams that they're losing to, but they just it's not clicking. And they're still it's it's basically the same thing that they were in March last year, but instead of Caleb Love dropping 27 and a half, he has six turnovers and one assist in a game, right? So is that is this just a result of they're doing the stuff that they were doing last year, they're just not doing it very well, or is there more of a more of a structural fault flaw within this this team without like a Brady Manic, as Tio said. Well, I think that there are two pieces to this situation with North Carolina. Number one is the mental piece of reaching the national championship game last year, and within these games, I'm watching their body language out of timeouts, and mm. the body language that I sense is, "We got this, we got this," like we we got. No, you don't. You don't. You haven't defended a lick. You've been soft on the defensive end of the floor. You let Indiana, you gave up 77 points to Indiana. They hit three threes in the game. They hit they went three for 13 from three. They're they're a bad three-point shooting team, Indiana. And you gave and you let them get in the lane. And I've I've been watching Carolina's body language on these timeouts and after games. And apparently Hubert Davis out in Portland was very optimistic, was was actually happy with the Alabama game. I'm not sure if that's a front by him, but the fact of the matter is this. If they were not a blue blood or their name was not Carolina, we wouldn't be talking much about them right now because of the fact that they have not been able. At some point, you got to beat somebody. At some point, you got to beat somebody. Now, the other piece of it is, is that they are a disconnected team, but they're an all-or-nothing style. They're an all-or-nothing style. So I do think that there are similarities with last year in that regard because when you have guards who are so up and down and it, it's as explosive as they can be, is as bad as it can turn for them, guard play, point guard play, hit the button. You, for, it's, for it to be successful, you've got to be able to make things happen with the basketball for others around you. And this team is not playing together. They're not playing connected. But also the loss of Manic 
is not just a, a, a significant loss, but the fact is, is that Carolina at times only has three major offensive threats on the floor. Their other complementary pieces aren't great offensive players. They're just not. So they are who they are in that regard. They're not a deep team, guys. At least I don't think that they are. And maybe he needs to figure out a way to, to develop that a little bit. But the fact is, you can't welcome back the players that they welcome back and, and go on a four-game skid like they've gone on here. So I do I think that they could correct some problems? Yes. Do I think they're as bad as, as people are saying they are? I don't think that. But... I don't think you can catch lightning in a bottle twice in the NCAA tournament. This sport is too unforgiving for that to be the case again. I could see this being a year, guys, and we'll we'll talk about this way down the road, where Carolina wins their first NCAA tournament game come March, and everybody and their mother goes, here we go. It's another Carolina run, only for them to run into someone in the second round and be like, uh-uh. Not this time. That's the NCAA tournament. Because at some point, guys, like the lack of assists, the lack of defensive ability, there's there's things there that, that to me, I don't think that the body language of we'll figure this out, we've got this, that's not how college basketball works. And frankly, you, you uh, mentioned, it, I want to real quick, I want to make a point on that. You mentioned body language. Like, do these guys like each other? Is, is this just kind of, it, it, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but it always looks like Caleb Love is grumpy. Doesn't that's it? Him. Like, that's is just that him. just him? That's like, just and, him. And, and I don't know. I don't see that with some of the other guys, but mm-hmm. like there needs to be some sort of sense of urgency. Like it, it like we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Well, you're five and four. Like, and you're North Carolina. Like North Carolina should beat Iowa State. North Carolina should at least yes. have it close in Blacksburg. Like Blacksburg's a tough place, but like you should have it close. Uh Indiana, you go there, it should be it, it was not. To me, like that game was never really in question because the effort's just not there. Like they're exactly. not even close. Like against well, that's, Alabama, that's the big thing. It, it was I'm the it was the effort both. to me. Like there's, it's not to me. It's not just that like the they're shooting too much. They're not passing the ball. Like there's different things every game, right? Like they didn't they didn't expect Iowa State playing a one three one zone, and Iowa State plays a lot of that one. They they throw junk. Junk defenses at you. That's a problem. Hubert said they never played that before in the uh, post game press conference. That's his but, issue. That's yeah, a, which is that's just not true. Hubert, like that, against, that's it. Against we've seen defensive issues that they've had this season, right? We saw an effort issue against Indiana. So there's like 19 different things that are going. It's not like one problem where you say, yeah, you know what, Caleb Love, he just hasn't been shooting the ball well. That's the issue, right? Or they're just not getting stops. That there's like 17 different problems with this North Carolina How team. About, uh, do, am I crazy for for? Do you guys recognize that though? Like, if you look at their facial expressions, I don't know if they like each other or not, but like, I do get the sense that in their minds, and I'm sure that this is what they're thinking right now in their facility. We made our run last year when the when when everybody counted us out. That's where we're at our best. Like, you, I'm sorry, the run they went on. In North Carolina, they're taking arrogance. early. That's what it is. Fancy, they're taking. You know what it is? They're it's Carolina t- arrogance. It's Carolina arrogance is what you're talking about. But yeah. I sense that. I sense that a little bit. I sense that yep. we're going to get this right. But the fact is, not just I, – I, that's what I That's what I sense. I mean, just watching them. I watched them last week at Indiana, and, and Baycott with like five minutes left to go in the game is like talking with somebody on the team, and they're sort of laughing in the free throw line. It's like, you are down by six right now. You still have a chance in this game. Let's go. Like, let, where's that urgency? And not just the Iowa State defense. 
How about the fact? Like, have you never seen Trace Jackson Davis get an entry pass inside? You know what's going to happen in single-man coverage? He's going to finish. He's going to hit. They let TJD get easy catches late in that game. They let Xavier Johnson get into the lane. Their, Their defense on dribble penetration right now is not good. And that, to me, is a lack of effort and urgency. Because, guys, do they have enough talent? They got enough. Yeah. They got enough to beat Virginia Tech and Iowa State. Their defense, it's a sub-50 defense in Kempom, and there's a reason for it. They're, they're not defending. Mm-hmm. When, when, when effort is into question, whose fault is that? I've, to me, it's the players. You, you no. Hell no. You shouldn't Hell need a coach. No. No. Hell no. no. You shouldn't need a Absolutely. coach to teach you. To, dude, no. You should not need Absolutely a coach to, to push you hard. No. Enough. There's no defense. of the. It's not the players. It's not the players. It's the coaching staff. If effort is your issue, it's the coaching staff. 1,000%. It's not even close. Not even up for debate. The, it, what is acceptable in terms of effort is an issue. It is the coaching staff. Okay, it is not the players. That's fair. That's fair. So what you're basically saying, if guys aren't trying yeah, hard, you enough, yank them in early, dude. You're five and four. You're not. You're not lighting the world on fire. You're five and four. You better play somebody who plays hard at least. Like right, right, right now is lesson taking time. You're in the non-con. You're Carolina. You're going to get the benefit of the doubt with the NCAA tournament. You need to teach some lessons. To these guys who don't really feel like playing all that damn hard. Like, yeah, damn well, all this stuff. Damn pissing them off. Make them play hard at least, and the rest of the shit will handle itself. I don't think you but can they blame they have Huber to play Davis. hard. No, I, I got you, but I think it's very difficult to blame Hubert Davis for saying, well, we don't have Very a easy to blame Hubert Davis for them not playing hard. Very we, don't have, we don't have a bench, but also the only guys that we have that are good are dogging it. Like, it's just – it's a tough spot to be in. Uh, what are you talking about saying. they don't have a bench? Okay, so, so what are you talking about we don't have a bench? DeMarco Dunn was a top 100 kid. Seth Trimble was a top 100 kid. Dontre Styles is a top 100 kid. Tyler Nickel, top 100 kid. Yeah. Puff Johnson, he shouldn't he, – he's not that level of guy. I'll give you that. But the rest of them, those are top 100 kids. Those are Carolina worthy. If nothing else, they're ACC worthy and able to play hard. Whose fault is it that they're not playing hard? It I is love- Hubert Davis's – it is his fault. Like, I love I love that T.O.'s gotten on here and has already uh, already slandered them for their Carolina a- arrogance, and now he just tried to fire Hubert Davis right here on the spot. That's <laughs> I, I've been saying for a long time that I, I've been he- hesitant about Hubert because I, I I think it's too easy going. There's some point you got to stick a foot in somebody's ass and tell them get them to play hard. You're five and four, like yep, you've lost enough. four in a row. Something good's got to happen. Like enough, enough is right. enough. Like let's, it's let's crazy. They play Georgia Tech next. If Georgia Tech, if that Georgia Tech game is close, there's there's real problems. There's yeah. a real problem. Georgia Tech is bad. Georgia Tech is not good. All right. Uh, Gonzaga, Creighton, real quick. Fanta, who are you more concerned about out of those two? It's still Gonzaga, and and the reason is the guard play. I find it ironic that on Monday night, on a night where Kent State had Gonzaga on the ropes, the Golden Flash, it's credit to Rob Senderoff's team, had given Houston and Gonzaga all they could handle, but but just weren't able to, to finish it off that on the night that Gonzaga does escape and beat Kent State, Andrew Nemhart goes for 31 points, 13 assists, nine rebounds for the Pacers. They miss Andrew Nemhart in a big mm. way. They just don't have enough great guard play. And from night to night, tr- Timmy's going to do Timmy. They've got an All-American, so you've got a shot. But it's the classic example of year of the big or not, you got to have – 
backcourt play be a a consistent force for your team to win? I, I think that Creighton, they made the Maui Invitational Championship game. The win over Arkansas was was as impressive of a game that I've seen between two teams all year, and they won that game. And to me, they're not right offensively. I think that Greg McDermott can figure that out. I don't yeah. think Creighton has a personnel problem. I think Gonzaga has a personnel problem in their backcourt in that they're a good team. They're a good team. Like, like don't get me wrong. Both Creighton and Gonzaga are a good team. But you ask me who am I more concerned about? I'm more concerned about Gonzaga because I just don't think it's clicking with Nolan Hickman. And Malachi Smith went one for six last night. Chattanooga or not, it's been a transition for him. Rasir yeah. Bolden, I don't know what I'm getting from night tonight. And Julian Strother needs to be that guy. But we'll see. There's a level of unknown with Gonzaga personnel-wise that I right. still don't have with Creighton. Creighton got their butts kicked on Sunday. And I thought that that was some after effect from playing in the Maui final against Arizona. Then you play Texas. And so mentally, you're just burned. You're burned. And, and they lost. They tried to force the issue. They might have taken Nebraska lightly, thinking we'll beat them. They didn't. I, I think Mark Few and Greg McDermott are great coaches. But when you've got the ingredients in your kitchen versus not necessarily having them in the other, I'm sorry, one batch of cookies is going to be better than the other. I, I'm, I think I'm more worried about um... – about Creighton, to be honest, the, because the issue we saw last year was this. They couldn't shoot the ball well enough, right? Hmm. They were 10 for 40 from three against Nebraska. And if you go back and watch the film, what Nebraska did was they just clogged the paint. They just said, you're not getting to the They rim. went under. They yeah. went under screen. Like it was, they went yeah. under screens. When when Nemhard was coming off of screens, they had two guys tagging off. They were like, you want to give the ball to Kaluma and let him shoot? Go ahead. You want to kick the ball out? Let him shoot? Go ahead. Uh, you want to let Trey Alexander shoot threes? Go ahead. We want him shooting catch and shoot threes. And they were 10 for 40 against uh, Texas. I think, what would they start? One for 22 from beyond the arc, something yeah, like that? Finished four for 27 in that game. And that, that was the issue that they had last season with the same group of guys. And what do we hear all offseason? Arthur Kaluma, he's better than a 27% three-point shooter. Well, he's nine for 37 this year. That is 24.3% from beyond the arc. He has to be better. Nimhart has to be better. And I just, I am not entirely convinced that those guys are actually going to be better shooters because they weren't very good last year. It's you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like, um, it's not like this is the team that shot 40% from three last season and they're just not making the open ones. Now teams are giving them the open ones and they're not going in. Can they I shot can I 40 threes? They shot, they took 65 shots against Nebraska. 40 of them were threes. I think we know what Fred Hoiberg wanted to do and what he was willing to give up. Well, and it's it interesting. Was. They went seven for fourteen from three against Arkansas in that win. But that's like, the Maui soft rims. And it, no, 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 no. They took Maui 14. soft rims. No, no they took they 14, took 14. 14. That's the big. No, issue. I got. Yeah, but that's the thing. They Arkansas, Arkansas, threes. Arkansas went pull out. They, the Arkansas defended on the perimeter. They gave us Arkansas pulls out. Arkansas pulls out. Hey, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, let's say this. I think they're going to get it together. Farabella was a good shooter at, at his last stop. Like, you look at the rest of it, Baylor Shireman's shooting 37%. Like, that's 10 points lower than what it was last year. Exactly. Trey, Trey Alexander's 40. I, I don't worry about Creighton. And I almost the, – the the Arizona game, they lost by two. I'm going to write that one off. That's just a loss because Arizona's good. 
And that's just a loss. They're still going to be fine there. Uh, Texas, that's the one that screws you. The, 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 because they got them playing so fast and so out of rhythm, sometimes it takes a week for young people to slow their self back down. Yes, it's like facing an ace pitcher. That's right. That's right. So it's like it, it takes a second because Texas gets you so wound up. Like yes. what yes. what they're doing. Like if you turn that game on, there was a couple times like I, I everybody up for Creighton had their hands on their knees. Four out of the five Texas players had their hands on their knees, and they didn't stop. And they didn't stop. Like it kept going and going. Like it takes a second to slow yourself down. They're going to be able to slow themselves down against BYU a little bit. I just don't – I think they're going to be okay. Like, I think Creighton's going to be fine. The Texas game's the one that throws you for a loop, though, because they play such a fast-paced, frenetic thing. Like, you would see it, like, whenever you play pressing teams or teams that will pressure 94 feet for the entirety of a game, it's not just that game that throws you out of a sink. It's the next game, too. Because yes. sometimes, like, it takes it takes a second to kind of recalibrate. So I'm willing to write this Nebraska thing off because they were still such in a hurry. The only I thing, like the only, BYU. Wait, wait, wait. Can I ask okay. this? Can I ask you to this? Yeah. How many te- How many teams in college basketball would be favored to win at the Moody Center right now? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. No, uh, I don't think any would be favored to win at the Moody Center right now. No, I agree with that. Yeah, it, yeah. It, that's a, that's Texas a is point. Texas is number two on Ken Palm right now, and they are very, <laughs> very slightly behind Houston on Ken Palm right now. Zero. Right? Like they wouldn't. They wouldn't. No one would be favored to win at Texas. By the way, no I one, am rooting. I'm rooting for a Houston Texas game. Rooting. Yeah. No one. No one's going to win at. No one's going to be favored to win at Houston. No one's going to be favored to win at Tennessee. No one's going to be favored to win at UConn. No one's going to be favored to win at Kentucky. Right. Yeah. It's just it's when you are a top ten team in the country and you're playing at home, you're not going to be favored. To, no one's going right. to be favored to beat you. at UConn. How about home? To you, nobody's going to be favored against UConn. Period. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So the I just my thing with Creighton is I thought that they were like a top five team in the country, and now I'm like, yeah, they're probably more top fifteen. So they're still really good. It's just that they're if they're not making shots and that you can scheme them out of like into what they did against Nebraska, then I, I just think. It kind of is what it is. All right, I want to let's let's flip over to the Big Ten because the Big Ten kind of got flipped on its head this weekend. Indiana went into Rutgers and lost. Illinois went into Maryland and lost. Wisconsin went into Marquette and beat a team that just twenty gave twenty six to uh, to Baylor, coming off of a loss at home to Wake Forest. 
it looks like Purdue was probably the favorite to win the conference. I'm like, what the hell is going on in this league, T.O.? It's Purdue's really good, and then the rest of them, it's they're very similar. It's a very balanced conference. It's a very balanced conference. Uh, Rutgers is as tough a place, is a tough a team to play as anybody because they're just tough as shit, and they're going to figure out ways to just compete. And then they're there at the end, and then things are going to happen. Like that's just what's going to happen. You look at the rest of the conference. Penn State is shooting the shit out of the ball. Iowa is going to Iowa. Like I, I don't know what what you want me to say here, Doster. I'm sitting here like it's a tough place, top to bottom, and it's going to be very balanced once again. The only team that I'm looking at, what is it, Michigan State is down towards the bottom in terms of Kempom. Like that, what's up yeah. with that? Like yeah. so is Illinois. So is Illinois. Like, like, and those are teams that we're expected to be towards the top. It's a very balanced conference, and it's tough the, because the it's so well Michigan, Yeah, the issue the issue with Michigan State has everything to do with injuries and Madi Sissoko right. coming back to earth, right? Like if you – when you don't have Malik Hall and you don't have Jaden Akins and you didn't go out and recruit um, a whole bunch of people out of the portal and you already only had like nine guys and you didn't have a backup big guy and now the guy that we thought was going to be a great big guy for you is like not anymore. It just kind of, you know, it's they're basically playing with six guys. Like it, right. there's what are you going to do? You know, this hey, is- I will say, hey, hey, Fanta, we weren't wrong about Maryland last year. We were wrong about Turgeon last year. Yes. Ah. We weren't wrong. Ah. Um, we were we were wrong about Turgeon. We put too much into Turgeon. Good. Like good you put work. you put a hell of a coach with that bunch. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. We weren't mm-hmm. wrong, Fanta. We weren't yeah. wrong. And and this should not come as a massive surprise. They're they're one of the surprises. If and and people are going to say Maryland's the biggest surprise because they are. I picked them top five in a league on our very own DTF podcast, Big Ten Preview. You guys Great remember that, right? You Great guys remember thing. that? I I went I went all in on Maryland. You guys were like, oh no, what are you talking about? You're gonna Big have to wear Tuesday. you're Big gonna have to wear Tuesday. a hot dog suit. Someone get this guy a chicken hand, chicken uh a chicken well, mask. Kevin Willard has done a nice job in the preseason of really selling low, and and then his team ends up outperforming that. That's what he's at his best, guys. If you look at his best teams at Seton Hall, he did better when his teams were sort of underranked and underselected and under the radar, and then they ended up coming on, coming on, playing with toughness and winning. So for me, guys, this is why the hire of Willard at Maryland made so much sense because Seton Hall is a difficult job in college basketball, mm-hmm. and he made them a consistent winner and did things the right way. He recruited well. He had such great X's and O's. That's never going to be a question. Now you hand him the keys to a program that at the end of the day is one of the great brands in college basketball with a fan base that's just waiting. Look at the gold rush on Friday night against Illinois. They showed Maryland felt like Maryland again on Friday night. That's fun. For college basketball. People don't understand how good that environment is. Okay. (sighs) When Maryland's at their best, there's what, like, I think the the Xfinity Center holds 16,000 people. It is unreal in that. There are students on both of the lengths of the court, about 10 rows of students. And then on the uh, the end where the, the visiting team shoots free throws after the game, it's a wall, a wall of students, right? They're loud. They're drunk. 
they they cuss you out, right? They are so incredibly inappropriate that it's probably rated R just to go sit in that <laughs> building, right? And go listen to them. Hey, um, I have a great video of shutting them up, of, of somebody shutting them up. Great video. Of shutting it, was, was it you that shut yes. them up? Yeah, yes. I could. Okay. <laughs> So it's a, hey, it's a great place. It's a great Let place. Let me tell you something. And Friday. they are, they are like, and they are good this year. Like that to me, that was yeah. why, okay. that was why I love this hire. And I don't mean to cut you off, Fanta, but like, you know that Willard, Willard is going to get his guys to play their balls off, right? They are going yes. to play hard. They're going to play tough. And you, they, there, it, there's no, to your point about uh, Hubert Davis, T.O., yeah. it's, you're not going to play if you're not playing hard as hell for Willard. That's right. And he also hired all the guys that's going to get him a bunch of talent out of the DMV area. And you know how much talent is in the DMV area. The last right. thing that I'll say is I, I had this conversation with someone the other day. And they and I was like, you it, you should be – no one can accomplish what Willard accomplished at Seton Hall. And so they were like, what did he actually accomplish? And I said, getting – Making that program be consistently top 30, top 35 in the country, making that program get to five to six straight NCAA tournaments, making them a Big East contender right now in this day and age in the arms race of all high major division one college basketball programs like that. That is not an easy thing to do. You got to understand what you're recruiting to and you got to understand what that program is at this point right now. And the right. fact that he got them there should tell you everything you need to know about that group. And now that you gave him a program with all the facilities, with all the talent in the world, with all the the what you want to recruit to, like he's gonna he's gonna bring them back. I feel yeah. I feel very strongly about that, and I felt very strongly about that before this started. That's why I said they were gonna be a top five team in the Big Ten. Fancy, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, they identified in the portal really well, I and mean, then they brought in Jameer Young and Don Carey. Those guys are not just really good players, but they're, they're leaders guys They're I mean, I, I covered Don a little bit in his time at Georgetown. He was a part of that big East tournament championship team. That's mm -hmm. Georgetown. He was a huge reason for it. You know why he showed up to the garden that week and said, we're going to win this thing. And I'm going to lead us. I'm going to be a leader. He's a leader. Like he's, a, he's a guy that steps up and makes things happen. Jameer young came up huge in the Illinois game. But not just that, he Kevin Willard inherited some quality talent, which is what yeah. T.O. was bringing up. We were buying into Maryland's talent. And Dante Scott's playing the best basketball of his career. Shouldn't be a surprise. Dante Scott's out. He is one of the matchup nightmares in college basketball. Did you hear the story that... that, uh, that this is a great story. Yeah, the story that Humble told on, uh, on the broadcast. I did so not. When Willard, when Willard got there, like the first workout that he put Dante Scott through, he put a 25-pound weight vest on him. And he was like, "You're gonna go go work out with this thing on." And like, obviously, by the end of the workout, he was like, "I'm dead. I, like, this is this is really hard." Takes the weight vest off, and he's like, "All right, now go try to move and see how good you feel." And he's like, "Yeah, I feel great right now. I feel bouncy." And Willard goes, "Now imagine if you lost 25 pounds that you need to lose. How good you'd feel every day." And that kind of like made it click for him. And now he's in the best shape of his life. That was so. Is that's that, uh, is that Hummel who told that one. I, yeah, Hummel told I, that. I, I, that is a great story. Yeah. Um, last thing I'll say, Donald Carey, Jameer Young, they're both shooting uh, a combined like 25% from three right now. Carey is a career 38% three-point shooter, and Jameer Young is a career 36% three-point shooter. Yeah. Once those guys start making shots the way that they've made shots their entire lives, Maryland's going to take a step up to another level. I do want to ask you guys, um, the other surprise team is Purdue, right? Just how we've talked a lot about them on the field of 68, so I don't want to go like too in-depth on it, just but – 
I guess TL, let's go to you first because you, you're the one that has strong opinions on the Big Ten. What what is their ceiling, right? Are we kind of seeing them at their best right now? Do you think there's room to improve, or just just the kind of thing where like teams got to figure out what to do with Zach Eady, and it's very hard to figure out what the hell to do with him? Um, and I don't know. What, what are your what's your take on this team? I I want to be very clear here. I root for Purdue. When I watch Purdue play, like I I, I actively like I, I love what Painter does. I love what they're about. I love I love everything about Purdue. That being said. No electric guard on that roster uh, in terms of a Jaden Ivey type of dude. They, they like that, fit, though. They, they like fit, that, though. They they do, but you get NCAA tournament, you got to go get one. You got to find a guy who can go get one. Uh, look look at last year. Look who won last year, how they ended like how the Final Four ended up. Colin Gillespie could get you one. Paolo Bancaro could get you one. Caleb Love could get you one. Ochai Abaji, Christian Brown could find ways to get you one. Like, you got to have somebody. I'm not sure Purdue has that. What I will say is I, I think they're a second-weekend tournament team. Uh, I, they're going to beat the heck out of somebody. I don't think it's a Final Four national championship team. I still cheer for them. I just worry because you, you have to have that. Yeah, I cheer for them. I cheer for them because I, I think th there's a lot going on in college basketball. There's a lot going on, and there's a lot of different ways to attack. A lot of, a lot of ways to skin a cat. But I, I like the way they operate. I like the way Painter coaches his guys. And it's just like they do it the right way in my mind. And I and I hope that they go do well. But it's just like one of those things where at the end of the day, having a McDonald's All-American helps, like at least on the perimeter. And they just don't have that type of dude. I don't know. Yeah, the, I, I will tell you this, though. I, I They enjoy playing without Jaden Ivey out there because – um, it got to the point last season where it was a little bit too much like freelance, right? Where it would be like, we're trying to run this, and then Jaden and I would just break off the play and go try to get his own. And yes, to a point, you kind of need that guy, but it also was kind of limiting when that guy isn't fitting entirely in with what the offense should be and the way it's clicking right now. Does that make sense? Like when you look at the best teams that Painter has had, it's just you guys that understand exactly what they're supposed to do and exactly how to operate around this monster that they have at the five. Right. Yep. Um, and the, the ways that he can kind of create opportunities through people just because of the attention that that monster is going to end up uh, drawing from um, everybody that they end up playing. So I hear what you're saying. Um, I do think that, I will say this. I, I think that they're enjoying playing this year better yeah, without having Jaden. Yeah, I, I, that's kind of where I'm at with them too, right? When you don't have – um, if they had even someone like a – I don't even know if I want to say Carson Edwards, but like someone that was a little bit more experienced in the backcourt. And you, like we could end up – it uh, could end up being something where like we look really dumb saying this because Fletcher Lawyer ends up being that guy that can go get you a shot, even if it's something that, like as simple as just running him off of one of those like – uh, the floppy action or a staggered screen, something like that. But uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I think at the end of the day, you need like NBA guys to win a national title. If you go back and look at all the teams that won titles, how many of them have won titles without a whole bunch of NBA guys on the roster? And who on Purdue's roster is an NBA guy? Like even Zach Eady, I don't know if he ends up like he'll probably play in the like be drafted and someone will take him and be like, yeah, you know what? It, he can probably do what Bowman does, but I, you know what I mean? Like, where, where are the pros? Fancy, where are the pros? 
I don't know. I mean, it's not like Kansas was loaded up with great pros. two first round picks. Yeah, but Ochai Baji's not doing anything right now. First round pick, NBA guy, first team All American. So, what do you think about Zach Eady's pro prospects? He's seven foot four. I mean, I, I mean, I think someone, like someone's going to draft him and use him the way they use Bobon, where it's like a kind of a matchup specific, super uber efficient guy. Um, against teams where you can use drop coverage, you, he can get you 15 to 20 minutes here. There's going to be matchups where you can't play him at all. Um, he'll be a useful piece for a matchup-specific situation for a smart NBA franchise that that needs an, like an uber-efficient monster guy at the five. I, I'm in on point. him. I, if you're calling him an Elite Eight team, we don't know who's on the other side of that matchup. It, Purdue's loss to St. Peter's last year is beyond mind-boggling. It's beyond mind-boggling. But it's not. But it's not. Yeah, it is. Sorry. But, okay, it so what, we, we agree to disagree, <laughs> but I'll let you go first. Go ahead. I, I think That sums is. up this I, podcast I, perfectly, right? This That loss was mind-boggling, but it's not. But it is. But it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think they're Final Four good. I think that they've got the biggest matchup nightmare in college basketball, and that's exemplified by what we talked about on Field of 68 After Dark. One night after Patrick Young said you got to front or that you can't front Edie, John Henson says you got to front him. So we got (laughs) analysts not knowing what's – I asked Rutgers yesterday. I sat in on Rutgers practice, and I asked multiple assistants and and Steve Peichel, and if anybody knows, it's Rutgers because they know how to defend. I said, so, guys, how would you defend Zach Edie? And every coach had a different answer in how they would do it. In other words, there is not an answer. There is no answer for how you do that. Now you combine. I'm of the belief, and I'm going to die by this this time around if I have to die. I'm of the belief that I want a backcourt that coexists, that has multiple guys, that plays well together, that plays well together and moves the ball. I want that over one otherworldly individual guard who's going to get me that one bucket. I'm going to rely on team basketball, not just because it's team basketball, but because that team basketball, that backcourt, the 33 assists to just eight turnovers for Ethan Morton, Fletcher Lawyer, and Braden Smith, the way that they have come on, I'm going to rely on that surrounding a seven foot four monster who looks like Yao Ming out there this time around. I think this team is better suited to make the final four run in West Lafayette. Go ahead, Tio. You make Edie work every possession defensively. Mm-hmm. You make him work every single possession defensively. That's what St. Peter's did. That's the reason that wasn't necessarily. That wasn't necessarily a huge surprise. It was a surprise that they beat them, sure. But how they attacked Edie was very different. And St. Peter's wasn't big. So, like, you you use him not only in ball screens, but you use him in away screens. The guy he's guarding in away screens because he's not going to get out and show. So, like, if you have guys that can shoot, you're very, very, very vulnerable. And I understand they're number one in Ken Palm right now in the country. However... It's just what you need guys to you need a guy that can get you a shot when everything else breaks down because NCAA tournament everybody scouted well. 
Like everybody mm-hmm. scouted well. Look at the last few national championships. Kansas this year, Ochai Abaji, Christian Braun, great college players. Baylor, both of those guards, great college players who can go get you one. Uh, Virginia before that, Kyle Guy, Jerome, Ty Jerome, could go get you one. Villanova in 2018. They, they had, had 37 guys that could go get you one. <laughs> North Carolina in 2017, guys who could go get you one. Like, you have to have that one guy that could go get you one. What are you? What news are you breaking here, Fanta? Joe Lenardi has released a new bracketology. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to put you on mute. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want, all right. No, I want Rob Doster's live reaction. Can I get Rob Doster's live reaction? Who's who's it? Give me the number one seed. Is UConn the number one seed? UConn is the number one seed in the East region with a path through Madison Square Garden. Nope. Don't want it. Don't want it. Don't Send want us out it. west. Send us out west. That's where we operate best, don't, baby. Send don't you love that, T.O.? Don't you love that, T.O.? I love every bit of it. <laughs> Send us west. Send us out what? west, baby. That's where we want to be. T.O., how unbearable would is this going to be if, I mean, not, you know, it is for, it's great. But if they're going on a deep march run here, just just doster with all this, right? Yeah. Hey, look, if they if I will, I'm you know not going to be mad. It. Goodman's going to be mad. Goodman's going to be mad at you because Goodman doesn't like all that. He's like all you know. He's like he he's not a UConn guy. He's not. No, Goodman, Goodman hates everything unless he's the one that comes up with it. If it's his idea, yeah, that's such a good, that's such a good uh, analyzation right there. Yeah, unless he comes up with it, if it's his idea, then he thinks (laughs) it's the greatest thing that's ever happened. Yes, that's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. So, (laughs) look, UConn's going to be really good this year. I'm, I've, I've made my, uh, wow, I've made my peace with the fact that I, like, I can't. Last year was kind of a bit, right? Like last year, I was just fucking around. Like, yeah, UConn's going to be awesome. This is why they're the best team in the Big East. And this year, it's kind of like, I, you know what? I'm going to tone it down because I don't want to be like that super annoying guy. Because if we're being honest, at this point, like UConn's going to be the biggest conversation topic in the in that conference for like 90% of the weeks that we have, right? They're going right. to be one of the biggest conversation topics for like 90% of the podcasts that we do. So I'm just going to, when you bring it up, let's go for it, right? But if that, unless it's like, they're playing great. In you know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? January 7th. Like they're going to be a top five team all year, man. Like they're, they're fucking awesome. If you look at Ken Palm right now, there are two teams in the country that Ken Palm projects to win every single game this season. That's UConn. And that's Texas. Those that's are the crazy. Two, man. I'm sorry. UConn and Houston. Those are the two teams. No, no, it's UConn and Texas because Houston is projected to lose to Virginia. They're playing at Virginia. So it's UConn wait, and Texas. Wait a minute. So, Hold on a second. Happen? Wait a minute. Texas is projected to win every Big 12 game? Yeah, no believe way. hold on, let me bring it up right now. Let me check. There's while we're no doing way. Podcast. Are you kidding? We're podcasting right now. Yeah. So no, the last lot. four ends. No, they're projected. Yeah, 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 yeah. Crazy. Yes, yes, Texas, yes. Texas is That's projected the real to win. one. That's Texas the real is... reaction. Go ahead. Hey, St. John, John's last team in, baby. The last Saint one. St. John's. Texas, that's going to hear something crazy. Texas is projected to win every single Big 12 game. The one loss that's on their, uh, on their schedule right now at Tennessee. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So St. John's is the last team in. Give me, give me, give me, give me your reaction there. Well, my reaction? Well, yeah. that's that. So here's the thing. There's two ways of looking at it. Okay. First, I'll give an updated state of the Big East. All right. The, the uh, Marquette great win last week over Baylor. Marquette looks like a tournament caliber team. Guys, they were picked ninth. I didn't think that they would be a tournament team with losing Justin Lewis. Who said they would be? You you did. You did. And I also said Butler would be a tournament team, and I also said Providence would be a tournament team. I also said Victory Lab Tuesday. <laughs> Victory yeah, yeah, Lab Tuesday. Pump your brakes there. Although, although I will <laughs> I will say, I will say, Rob, um, quietly, very quietly, I was impressed with Butler last week. I thought they they handled Kansas State very I thought they handled Kansas State well. And I, I thought Manny Bates, Manny Bates is really a good player. Yes. So, like the one thing about Butler, I would say is Manny Bates will hang in with Sonogo and with uh, Kalkbrenner so that Butler can at least hang in those matchups because some of these teams are just going to get overwhelmed. If the big they East get gets – too. Did Ali yeah, Ali play? Did, he, when did he, see back just, he just came back. He just okay. came back. The, the thing about the Big East is the Big East has not gotten off to a strong start. However, you look at a bracketology and you say, okay, well, five – in an 11 team league, they've averaged about five and a half to six bids. If they still get a path to five, that's not sky is falling. You get five units, that's that's almost half your league. It's just we had a couple of teams being better than they've been. Uh, but when you have, like, that's why Creighton's loss was so weird. Nobody's, if UConn were not what they are, we'd be talking differently. But when you have a great, great team that then elevates others around you. So St. John's is going to be on the bubble the entire year. And let me tell you something. Because they didn't is, play anyone in non-conference, man. They played one game in non-conference. That's it. They played yes. one. But that's I think that's room. I and think they, that's good that, for us. I think issue. that's good for us. Their fan base is crazy. We're going to be able to talk about them. They're an interesting team. I don't know. They didn't they haven't played anybody. They they have DePaul tomorrow night. So they got to win that game. Mm -hmm. Conference the, game. The the biggest issue that the Big East is going to have is that um it feels like a lot of their teams are gonna are, are kind of built for getting better later in the season. Like I think Villanova is going to improve as they get healthy. I think Xavier is going to improve as uh, Sean gets them to actually play a little bit of defense. There's nowhere to go, but up for Seton hall. Right. So yes. it's the combination of some teams at the bottom that aren't very good. Uh, some teams that got off to a little bit of a slow start injuries That's for right. other reasons. Um, and it really sounds like you're talking about the ACC. Kind of the same ordeal. It's the same thing, but what it doesn't matter how good you end up being at the end of the season. Once you have all those losses in non-conference, it just it drags everything else down. Yeah. So you really you can't have teams beating each other up in the league. You're if you want to get six teams in, you need to have a clear line of demarcation between the top six and the bottom five. But and that's why just, that's why I'm saying to you that even in a if it's a down year and you get if you find a pathway to five. That would be a positive for the. If they can if they only get, if they get four in, I think it'll be a disappointing year. If they get five in, then I don't think you can really complain about that. Because I, I also think by the end of the season, once like once Cam Whitmore gets up and going, once Justin Moore gets healthy, Villanova is going to do enough. Well, they'll, where they'll will be in the tournament. It might be like a playing game kind of a situation, but I think that the name Villanova and they're going to get enough wins in Big East play just because it's their tough enough team to beat when they're at home. I think that they're going to do enough to get in the dance because here's the thing. When you go back and you look at everyone is going to know those bad losses that they have came without their two best players. 
And that's going to matter. When context, it comes to doesn't, context doesn't matter with these guys. Yes, like, it does. With the selection committee, when all anyone's going to talk about is this team that's won two of the last six national titles was missing their two best players. Wow. They made the final four last year. They're missing their two best players. That's going to be the one that everyone knows about. And I know how difficult it is. It doesn't matter for most of the teams. It's going to matter with Villanova because it's going to be a national talking point. There's no way if you watch this sport right if you pay any attention to college basketball there's no way not to know that Villanova is missing their two best players that's going to be a talking point when it comes to like because here's here's the thing to you it's we can say all we want about what what like it's supposed to be this and you're supposed to rate that and you're supposed to value this and you're supposed to appreciate this more or look at these numbers there are 10 human beings in that room that are making those decisions and those 10 human beings have no choice but to know that Villanova was missing all of these important pieces throughout the season. It might and be Villanova, the same 10, human, ten, same 10 human beings that picked the college football playoff. Exactly. These like dudes it's, don't it's know human who, beings like just, in there. If there's one flaw with the way that the tournament setup is, is it's that it's human beings with, with inherent biases <laughs> making these decisions that may, maybe or maybe not know what they're talking about. They don't know. I, I like you. We should have just, we should just paused it at you saying, if there's one flaw, it's that human beings like and just stop right there. <laughs> I mean, that's that's, uh, that's pretty much the story of, uh, of of our planet these days. All right, let's get back on track. Um, you know what, fancy? I'm gonna I'm gonna jump to the end of the rundown real quick because I, I know you wanted to talk about Marquette. Um, they had it was such a weird week for a man because they smacked around Baylor when we all yeah. thought Baylor was good. Uh, then they lost at home to Wisconsin in a game where they trailed by 16 in the second half, despite the fact that Wisconsin, like Chucky Hepburn, I don't know what was going on with them. Maybe there was some, he must've been one of the, you know how soccer players get hurt and they spray that magic spray on them and they come back in the game. Like they're fine. Chucky Hepburn must've got some of that magic spray sprayed on him in the second half because he was awesome in the first half, missed the first 12 minutes of the second half, then came out and hit like a couple of dagger threes down the stretch of that game. So Marquette lost at home to Wisconsin. Um, Wisconsin was coming off a home loss of their own to Wake Forest. And after uh, Marquette beat Baylor by 26 points, Baylor turned around, gave up 63 points, and beat uh, beat Gonzaga. So Marquette, to me, is the one team that kind of epitomizes this idea of early season college basketball. Who knows what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Yes, but they the win over Baylor, you, you might not know what's going on, but you got to get a that win lights. at some point. And they that did. Lights. They did. That has unlimited mileage so that Marquette can feasibly be a team here in the picture that gets 19 wins or 18 wins and says on Selection Sunday, we have a win that you don't have. Mm -hmm. We beat Baylor. And I really think that this is an interesting team because, as T.O. said all summer, Cam Jones is big time. I like the fact that their perimeter shooting – it was good against Wisconsin. They went nine for 20 from three. Their freshmen are coming on a little bit. I mean, they're not playing a ton, but I think that Chase Ross and Sean Jones can both play. They can both play. And David Joplin has developed, has developed his game. Omax Prosper had a big-time performance against Baylor. He ended up only going three for 11 from the field against Wisconsin. But I like their options. I like that they've got some depth, and they just – Chaka Smart fits with the Golden Eagles, and I think that this team is invested and bought in even more so than last year because these are these are guys that are just bought in with him. I thought at the end of last year there was a little bit of a divide there by, by the time the season came to a finish. So to me, they are one of the most fascinating teams. Could they be stuck in an 8-9 game? Absolutely. But 
do they have the pieces to compete with some of the best teams? They do because of the intensity that they play with. And I want to give huge credit to Wisconsin. And I think Wisconsin could very well hand Maryland their first loss here tonight as we do this show. I think that Greg Gard has done a great job of yeah. retooling and reloading and getting this team. A lot of people thought losing Johnny Davis would cause Wisconsin to take a very significant step back. Guys, it's not. Their, their level of toughness in the road win Saturday, so many teams would have lost that game, and they didn't because Jordan Davis hits a shot. Tyler Wall's invaluable to what they do on both ends of the floor, T.O. Hey, man, he's a good player. Like, I didn't realize until I saw him in person how good of a player Tyler Wall is. Sorry to interrupt. Keep going. You're right. I'm done. Right? Like, Wisconsin's yeah. reloaded, man. Yeah, and, and it's a boring style of play. I get all that, but like they've got some guys that can create some things. The, the Max Klesman kid was a good addition, the Wofford transfer. He's been better than advertised, in my opinion, because he does a good job guarding. Like, uh, who made this comment last year watching Virginia Tech? They were like, well, he doesn't look like much. They were talking about Sean Padula. I can't remember who said it, but like Klesman kind of has that same, like, hey man, frat boy kind of look to him. But like, man, he competes, he's tough. He, he can knock down shots, and then uh, Connor Asijian is a, is a difference maker for them when he comes off the bench. Like, Wisconsin has some good players. And I, I, to go back to Marquette, you look at the styles of the two teams, which team's going to be able to impose their will, and sometimes it's just easier to slow things down than it is to speed things up, especially within the flow of a game, because you can walk it up, you can handle, you can handle pressure. If you got one guy like – uh, I think stylistically, that's a really tough matchup for Marquette. But uh, Marquette, they've got enough bodies to where – and that Baylor win, I, in my opinion, guys, was just huge. Like, they big get that Sunday. Baylor win. Big huh? game Sunday. Big game Sunday. Marquette at Notre Dame. Yeah, Rival game. Rivalry renewed. These two have gotten back together. They signed a deal to, to play each other. I think it's great. Old school Big East. Marquette-Notre yep. Dame is going to be fun. Shaka versus Mike Bray. Yeah, I like I that a lot. To... And both teams have weapons offensively. And Notre Dame doesn't really guard, but true home and home too. Fine, yeah, that's fine. That's, awesome. that's a good deal for those two teams. I want to make one last point on Shaka, um, Fanda. You talked about this a little bit on, I believe it was the Sunday night show with Goodman and Henson. The the yeah. fit. I think when it comes to coaching, you need the fit, right? The fit has to be right. And mm -hmm. I don't think that Shaka at Texas necessarily fit for a lot of reasons. But when it comes to on the court stuff. Um, what he is so good at, and Tio, you can attest to this, what he is so good at is developing a culture and developing a family atmosphere and building this group of players that stick together for three, four, five years that have right. a genuine love and affinity for each other, right? There are people that, that around that VCU program that are still like probably the best of friends because they played for Shaka Smart in the Havoc years. When he was at Texas, when you are when you're at that program, you have to go out and try to get five stars, right? You can't yeah. just sit there and get top 75 to top 100 kids and try to build them up over the years and turn them into that family. You have to do it with guys that are going to be there for eight months. And it's very difficult to develop that same level, level of culture, that same level of intensity to get them to buy in and play the way that you want them to play. Mm -hmm. He's got that going right now with this group. And you know what the most important part is? Everybody that's playing minutes on that team right now is going to be there for has at least three years of eligibility remaining wow. after this season. Even the guys that are that are technically juniors that transferred yep. in are going to have a COVID year if they want to take that COVID year. So at minimum, you have this group for this season and next season, and then probably a lot of those same pieces back 
for another year. So like this is this is the start to me. And I think that a program like Marquette is similar to a program like VCU in the sense that there is a community within that state that cares very, very deeply about this team, right? It's yeah. not at Marquette, you're not second fiddle to maybe you're second fiddle to the Bucks and you're probably second fiddle to the Green Bay Packers. But when it comes to college basketball at or when it comes to college sports at that school, that is what matters the most. So right. um, I think that he has he's going to build Marquette into something. I don't know if he's like winning national titles or making Final Fours with them. He probably shouldn't have made a Final Four at VCU, if we're being honest. Like the way that he wanted to play, they, they weren't havoc the year that he made the Final Four. They were like space you out, spread the floor, four around one. They had a five foot seven point guard in Joey Rodriguez that was running. They weren't running havoc that year. They were out there doing like four around one stuff. Um, so I, I think that this is the start of uh, of Marquette. Uh, becoming a very good basketball program in that state again. Um, all right, uh, I want to I want to end real quick just on one thing. I think the SEC at this point, to me, uh, it's probably the best conference in the country. They have three of the top ten teams, four top twenty teams, and six teams in the top twenty five. Uh, everyone's talking Arkansas. Everyone's talking Tennessee. Everyone's talking about Kentucky. Everyone's talking about all of like the, the best programs in that league. I want to ask you, To, about your boys down there in Starkville, about your man's Chris Jans, and about the big. Homie Tolu Smith. Are they for real? Are you buying this? You, hey, you remember at the beginning of the year, I said if Drew Timmy was in the SEC, he'd be Tolu Smith. <laughs> and it was do, less. Do I shot. remember? Do I remember? I remind you that every single day. Hey, look, I thought the funniest thing I looked up that on Kim Palm most uh, was impactful dudes. And Tolu and Drew Timmy's like number three. Tolu Smith's like number seven. Well, here, no, the Kim Palm's player of the year rankings. Zach yeah, Eady's number one, and it's like not even close, right? Yeah. Number two, Jalen Wilson. Drew Timmy's number three. You scroll down that list a little bit, you know who's number nine on Ken Palm's Player of the Year rankings? Tolu Smith. <laughs> right now, if we ended the season, he'd be a second-team All-American. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Just Big saying. Tolu Smith, he ain't hey, a bad player. I hey, think what, Robbie what, Homo owes you an apology. I, he owes you an apology, right? No, 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 because I, what I said was kind of blasphemous, and I kind of understood it because <laughs> they've been good for a long time, and I understood that it was kind of off the wall. But I, I, I think Tolu Smith is a really good player, and one thing that they're still doing that they did last year for Howland is they're boarding. Like, they're number one in the country in offensive rebound rate. 41% of their missed shots are rebounded offensively. <laughs> 41%. Like, dude, are, just throw are it you, up there. Are you we'll shocked? But like, like, are you really surprised that a team that's coached by Chris Jans no, but they did the hell out of it and crushes the glass? Like, that is if – you're, if, you, if you ain't tough, you can't play for Jans. And by the way, like, we talk about, like, coaching fits. Is there a better program for a guy like Chris Jans? In a no, there's not. State? It's perfect. Like an underdog where he can juke it up or he can go get some of these older guys, maybe some guys that wouldn't fit somewhere else. He just he has a way to connect with people that 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 allows him to uh to get the best out of people from all walks of life. That's just kind That's of That's right. So. That's right. And 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 Mississippi State's gonna take those guys. Like mm -hmm. and, and without even asking twice, like, hey, we, we like this kid. Can we make it work? Absolutely. We're Mississippi State, baby. We'll get him in. <laughs> we'll get him in. But it's it, it, he is perfect for that place. Uh, Tolu Smith really is a good player. Like, we, I, I know I said that kind of tongue in cheek earlier. He averaged 14 and nine last year. Like, you weren't he was insulting. Very good. No, yeah, were, he's was, very good player. Funny. I wasn't insulting. It was a great anybody. line. I was, I was, it was a great line, him. though. It was a great yeah. line. <laughs> hey, look, if Drew Timmy was in the SEC, they, their numbers would be similar. Their numbers would be similar. I like. Let's just call that what it is. But uh, look at the guys that he's playing. Cam Matthews, who's a, basically a six-seven bulldog. 
Like he's somebody that got minutes last year, but because he provides toughness, Jans is throwing him in there and he's in, you know, he, he rebound with his offensive rebound, right. And is in the top two fifty of the country. Like they have guys that are going to go get it. Mm-hmm. And Shaquille Moore is a terrific athlete. Kamani Hamilton's got talent. Like they've got people in that system that is going to be good. And because they're going to rely on the offensive glass and on the defensive end, they're going to be a tough out for anybody. Eighth in the eighth in the nation in defense. Eighth. Yeah, exactly. Top 10 defense, tops in offensive rebounding. You don't need elite guard play when you've got those things happening. And I'm not saying anything bad about their guards, but let's face it, they don't necessarily have this outstanding offensive player in their backcourt, but they piece it together. They're deep. He's going nine deep. I mean, he's playing a lot of guys. DJ Jeffries is a stable guy for them. He plays about 30, 31 minutes a game. He's scoring in double figures. He's done that in three consecutive games. They've got some depth, and the way that they play is fitting for Starkville. I, I, I really like this fit, and look, Chris Jans, at the end of the day, found a way to lead a team out of the whack to an NCAA tournament win over the Connecticut Huskies. And he oh, did it on, on the keep, – keep, keep bringing that up, fam. Oh, keep come on. bringing that and up. He, and he did it on the <laughs> other side of the country. Uh, I, I, I hate to say this, but uh, – and, and again, hope everybody's all right, but how times have changed. How times have changed in New Mexico State in a matter of – what seven months? I mean that that's a that's a really tough situation right now, and frankly, that coaching staff looks bad right now. Yep. Having said this, how times have changed, and Chris Jans was able to do that there. He's going to be able to do this in Mississippi State. So I'll tell you what: the SEC has just chipped and chipped and chipped away. They've gotten better as a league, and certain programs over the off season said we got to get these hires right. And I think that this league did a nice job hiring. Yep. Yep. Uh, last note I want to make about the SEC, and you guys tell me if you think I'm insane here. Um, Arkansas is currently 22 to one to win a national title. Arkansas, when they're at their best, when they have their best five on the floor, has five NBA players on that fl- on the court. They have as much length and a, as a, an athleticism as anybody. They probably have minimum three, maybe four, potentially five first round picks. I think they could even have two top ten picks on their team in Nick Smith and Anthony Black. Um, is that a recipe to win a national championship I, with, the, tra- with the transfers? It is. Yeah. Well, I, I do think that when you put Nick Smith out there with Anthony black, with Ricky council, with Jordan Walsh, who has no problem doing like if, if Jordan Walsh took no shots and just spent the entire game guarding the other team's best player and going to get yeah. off three months and being a, a, a lob target, Jordan Walsh wouldn't care. Like he's, he's wired like that, which is why he's a perfect fit for him. Javon Brazil is a perfect fit for the role that they're being asked him to play because all he wants to do is catch and shoot threes, catch lobs, and maybe face up and go by somebody once in a while. And then you have three dudes that thrive in this, these roles that Musk wants him to play where he just goes and finds whatever the mismatch is and goes to that over and over and over again. If Nick Smith has a mismatch, he's going to get 20 shots this night. If it's Anthony Black, he's going to get 20 shots. If it's Ricky Council, he's going to get the 20 shots. And they have the length and athleticism to be able to guard and be switchable and do all these different things. I Unless that thing comes tumbling down and and there's a real chance this year that it, it kind of does end up come tumbling down. But uh, if unless that happens, like they they are the to me, the most talented team in college basketball. And I don't yeah. know necessarily all that close. And you can get them 22 to one odds right now. 
To me, that's insane. At Bet Rivers, twenty-two to one odds. That that's, means you bet a hundred dollars, you win twenty-two hundred dollars. That's crazy. That's not bad. Not bad. Hey, can, can we go back to Starkville for a second? Because I built it. Because I was part of a team that built the Chipotle down there, so I want to really pour it on thick. So, look at their style of play. Wait, what? Yep. You're part of a yep. team that built a Chipotle in Starkville. Yeah, we built it. We built a Chipotle down in Starkville. You're welcome, Starkville. <laughs> I no longer am part of that Chipotle. That was so random. That Sold was... that Chipotle. Sold oh, that. Chipotle. And you want to pour? And you want to pour it on thick? I want to pour it on thick. So look at this. Here's the thing. I'm They're thinking off- like the Chipotle sour cream. Go ahead. It's very good. It's very good. I love Chipotle. But here's here's the thing, guys. Like. Look at their offensive ranking. They're 75th in the country. They're 75th in the country. There's a lot of misses involved when you're the 75th offensive in the country. And you play a slow tempo. You're 340th in the country in tempo. And you're getting 41% of those misses. That is a recipe for success if you're going to play bully ball. Like I, I like this Mississippi State team. They could win a, they could win a game. They could win a game in the tournament. I, well, game. I think they can win. I I think that there's the the real possibility that the matchups are right. They can get to a sweet 16. We've seen Chris Jans pull off upsets before. Um, yeah. But listen, we, we've, we've been here for an hour. We all got stuff to do. I got to get ready to head up to the Jimmy V. Um, I am driving in tonight, Fanta, so send up a, a few Hail Marys for me that I find the parking garage that will actually be open for 24 hours so I don't have to sit around outside waiting for somebody to show up at 5 a.m. to let me get my car out. Uh, for Terrence Oglesby, for John Fanta. Hey, make sure if you're still here. Field68.shop, check out our merch store. We got a bunch of new stuff dropping this week. Also, make sure that you subscribe to the daily field of 68. Uh, no, it's the field of 68 daily.beehive.com, whatever it is, linked in the description below. Best place for you to get your updates every single day on college basketball. So for Terrence Oglesby, for John Fanta, my name is Rob Dosser. This has been the DTF podcast. <laughs>